<clears throat> what you have gathered before you uh, today is not just a, a random group of staff members that we selected. This is a part of what we call our staff coordinating team. Uh, we have a faithful staff that serves in so many ways and divided up into various ministries and we have a coordinating team that try to, tries to help coordinate all that we do so that we can communicate and more effectively serve you and serve our Lord through this church. And so last week, Jack Fiscus uh, led us in reviewing back over this past year, taking an opportunity to, to look back at how God's favor has been upon us this past year in so many ways. And, and so as the children of Israel, as they crossed over the Jordan River and the 12 tribes each took a stone from the river and they placed it on the bank of the river and they built a memorial in which they can see that as a memorial of what God had done. So had we this last week of looking back and taking that stone to say that we remember God's blessings and favor upon us this past year. But as the years went by with the children of Israel, they began to drift away. Uh, some began to drift away from their calling. And they would they'd forget about that memorial that was built there. And so we don't want to come to this point today when we've come to a crossroads in our church. We've looked back, we're looking forward to the days ahead when our pastor uh, David Eldridge will join us next week and be in this place next Sunday. So we wanted to take just a moment as a staff coordinating team to bring together a time for us to reflect, yes, upon what has gone on the past, but also today. Recommit and be prepared for us to move forward in the future. In the history of the children of Israel, as they did cross over that river, and as they did place that, those memorial stones, at the end of the book of Joshua, Joshua shared with the people. He brought them together at a place where they would uh, take the moment to renew that covenant that they have with God, to be at a base of two mountains, one that they would say this is a mount of blessing, a mount of cursing, and that we would look at this place and we would say that we choose to be a part of God's blessings. And to commit to that, Joshua comes to the end of this book and, and says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And you would think at that moment that they would make that recommitment, but several hundred years later, you have the prophet Elijah standing before the people again on Mount Carmel and with the prophets of Baal and that opportunity for them to have a recommitment and renewal, a renewal of their faith when they look and see this comparison between the false gods and the true God who had brought them to where they are. And Elijah stood before the people and he said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But then again, several hundred years later, prophet Jeremiah stood before the people again. They're in the city of Jerusalem. There is an army that is coming against them, one that will eventually defeat them. Jeremiah has prophesied to the people, this is the day of God's 
judgment upon us. The day is coming. And the people said, no, we're, we are God's people. God will never let us be desolate. He'll never let us be destroyed. And so they trusted in just the fact that they were God's people and they continued to live a life unfaithful to him, just assuming that God would always take care of them. Jeremiah said, that's not the way it's going to be, but God's graciousness is still here. And he gives you an opportunity to repent and to turn and to follow and Jeremiah said in, in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, our text for today. In Jeremiah chapter 6, looking at verse 16, this is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads, look and ask for the ancient path, ask where the good way is and walk in it. You'll find rest for your souls, but you said, we will not walk in it. In this passage, Jeremiah presents to this passage four imperatives that were given to the people. Stand, look, ask, walk. We stand at the crossroads today. We stand in a place in which we come to the point of looking and seeing where we need to go. And we come to that point. The word stand means to pause where you're on a path, when you're walking up a path and you come to a point of a fork or a crossroads and you come to that place, it's a moment to stand, to pause, to see where you are and to evaluate where you are. To look means to, to, in, to notice the signs around you, to see where you need to go. To look means that you don't just continue to blindly walk through, but you pause and you look to see where you are. To ask means to make reference to whatever resources you need to help you know if you're on that right path. And you ask, you either check your map, you check whatever you have, or you ask some other authority, but you stand upon the authority that you have to then walk. It's an active verb to mean to pursue, to walk, to go in that direction. So today, as a body of faith, our goal is to be found faithful as God's people. That's our task, to be found faithful as God's people and to become and help others become faithful followers of Jesus Christ. We've been ably led in the past by some great pastors who have led us through the years, and we've seen that path that this church has followed. And we stand today at the crossroads when we have our pastor to come who's going to come and join us. And we want to be prepared as a body of faith to continue to be found faithful as God's people. So today, we stand. We look. We ask. And we want to walk to be found faithful as God's people. Well, I want you to do me the favor of picturing this morning a 12-year-old John Woods. 12, it's not much has changed, has it? <laughs> I want you to picture a 12-year-old John Woods. So I want you to, I want to picture him, the good strapping, good-looking young man that he is, um, in a khaki Boy Scout uniform, you know, the, the one that every Boy Scout always wears. And I want you to add to that um, the merit badge sash that is optional, but that he always wore for some reason. Um, green, dark, um, olive green, uh, right across 
his chest. I want you to add to that picture the official issued Boy Scout belt. Overpriced, but worth it. Official issued. All right, add to that um, the, uh, the Boy Scout uh, shorts and the, uh, the wool socks that are only leave a little bit to the imagination, and they're so high. And then, and then add to that boots, um, brand new hiking boots that in retrospect should have been broken in before the hike, probably. Okay, add to that picture this enormous metal-framed green backpack, the, the external frame kind that no one uses anymore, and, and, and clip to that all sorts of Boy Scouty things that really no Boy Scout needs, like the knife that you would use in case the bear shows up, or the whistle that you would use in case the bear shows up, um, or the, the, um, the old school um, water, water bottle, the, the oversized wool, you know, with the wool on the sides, hanging down over here. Add to that 11 more of those. I know. Um, 11 more Boy Scouts, all huddled together, ready to conquer the hike of their life. And so they're ready to go, and this sort of mass, huddled mass of humanity descends on this tiny little path. And they quickly learn the first rule of hiking, stay on the path. Stay on the path. If you want to get to where you want to go, choose the path that will get you there. If you want to get to where you want to go, choose the path that will get you there. This morning through the prophet Jeremiah, the Lord is inviting us to ask, where are the ancient paths? Ask, where is the good way? And so today I want to share with you three things, very briefly, three things, or three ways rather, that we can identify what is this ancient path? What is this good way? So first, the first thing that we do is we watch for footprints. We watch for footprints. This, this path that we travel, others have traveled it before. It is, it is well-worn. It is firm. The brush has been pushed aside. Others have gone before us and have also traveled this path. People like Joshua, like Joshua, who, who called God's people back to fidelity with Yahweh. Or, or, or people like Hagar, who, who though in the midst of abuse and neglect and homelessness, were faithful to God. People like David, back and forth, following God and ignoring God, following God and ignoring God, and yet was called a man after God's own heart. People like Elizabeth, who, who waited and waited and waited until finally God gave her a child, John the Baptist. This, this path has been traveled already. We are not the first ones to do so. And the footprints on this path are all pointed in the same direction. We've got to watch for footprints. But not only do we need to watch for footprints, but we need to listen for the voices we need to listen for the voices. Scripture says, ask. Ask where these ancient paths are. Ask about the good way. We don't go it alone. We, we don't have to do this journey by ourselves. 
the prophet Jeremiah is talking not to a person here, but to the Israelites, to a group of people, right? In Spanish, it's ustedes. It's y'all in Texan, all right? Not just you. The church that Christ heads is a we thing, not a me thing. The church that Christ heads is a we thing and not a me thing. We, we cannot find this ancient path without one another. And, and so we, we listen to each other. We ask one another. We, we hear one another's testimonies of God's faithfulness in life groups. We, we sing one another's songs. Hear me. We sing one another's songs not because we like the song, but because we love the people singing the song. This is a path where at times the old carry the young, and at times the young carry the old. We, we nudge and we invite and we insist together that we find these ancient paths because, friends, we are not alone. So, so we look for the footprints. We listen for the voices. And finally, we follow the leader. We follow the leader. And our leader said this to us. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, Christ said. As we, as we hear these words of Jesus anew, we are once again reminded that this path that we travel has been forged and finished by Jesus Christ himself. Through Christ's redemptive work on the cross, he has been exalted as the name above every name that every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. He is our leader. He is the head of the church, the ancient path that we follow is one that Christ himself has already finished. And so, we watch for footprints, and we, we listen for voices, and we follow the leader. Because if you want to get where you want to go, choose the path that will get you there, and then walk in it. In every Old Testament passage, a question can be asked that can help you understand and discern the message or the truth that God has for us. Whether it's in the, about the story of an individual that was uh, encountering circumstances that they overcame, or in our verse today, the prophet Jeremiah dealing with the nation of Israel, what does that passage reveal to us about God? What does God reveal to us about himself through that passage? The Old Testament was written for that purpose. It was written to reveal God to mankind, to let us know who he was so that we might be re redeemed and restored into a right relationship with him. From the beginning of the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation, the end of Revelation, God is involved in a plan to redeem mankind to himself. In our passage today, we see that God reveals himself as a God who chose a people through which he was going to bless the nations. 
through whom he was going to bless mankind in this redemptive process. The nation of Israel knew that that was God's plan for them because that was the very reason that they existed as a people. God did not choose them as his people for their own sake, but for the sake of others and the sake of mankind. When Jeremiah confronted them and asked them to choose to return to the well-worn path that God had for them and had for us, they said no. And yet God, throughout Scripture, as we've already seen, continued to call his people back to that. If Jeremiah were here with us today and speaking to the Dawson family of faith, I think he could address us in the same way. Either return, or in our case, I believe, stay on the path that I have for you and be involved in redeeming mankind to me. As I was looking at the scripture that was uh, chosen for our worship today, I thought, what, what does it look like here at Dawson? I was re reminded of a, a brief five-word statement that opens a book called The Purpose-Driven Life. Rick Warren wrote this book and, and it's had a tremendous impact for uh, countless numbers of people. But he makes a statement that are the first five words of the book, and he is describing the obstacle that every individual believer has to overcome if we are to live a life that's pleasing to God. If we look at it corporately or congregationally, those same five words apply to us, and they are simply just a powerful statement. It's not about you. If we look at it from a church perspective, it can be said, it's not about us. God's plan for us to live in a way that pleases Him, a way that we can say that we are on the ancient path, the good path to restore mankind to Himself, we need to remember that that plan is really truly not about us. All that is Dawson, all that we do, and all that we give is not about us. It's about God using us to redeem mankind to himself. When the scripture uh, talks about re God's redemptive plan, I'm reminded of our own church mission statement. I don't know if you know this or not, but every time the church staff gathers, we begin it in the same way. And we recite not only our vision statement, but our mission statement that simply says, we want to become faithful followers of Jesus Christ and help others to also become faithful followers of Jesus Christ. To become and help others become faithful followers of Jesus Christ. So the question for us can always be, are we continuing to walk on the path that God has laid out for us? And the answer will be both of those things. Are we becoming faithful followers of Jesus Christ? But, not stopping there, are we helping others become faithful followers of Jesus Christ? Always remembering that the others that are referred to will very likely never walk through the doors of our church, of our sanctuary. I had the, the privilege several years ago, as many of you did, to, I believe, see what this looks like in our family of faith. What does it look like for a church to express a heartfelt desire to walk on the ancient path, 
to be fully engaged in God's plan to redeem mankind, others to himself. Believe it or not, it was at a church business meeting. I don't know if you've been to many of those, but you probably don't have many specific memories, at least good memories, but this one was a very heart-revealing moment of the, the heart of our church to follow God. Uh, in November of 2015, our church was at a crossroads. We didn't call it that, but that's what it was. We were challenged by a group of people, really, 50 or 60 people who had put together our Go, Love, Tell mission emphasis. And the congregation in the annual business meeting was challenged to give over $5 million to five major mission projects to do things around the world and here in Birmingham. And no benefit of all of that giving and all of that doing would be received for us other than the fact that knowing we were following God's path to redeem mankind to himself. What happened after the, the presentation was made, uh, there was a vote taken, and the vote was unanimous, and the missions pastor was greatly relieved. <laughs> I really was. I didn't express that, but I thought, okay, we're there. But what happened right after that revealed the heart of the Dawson family of faith. As the people who were there that night, they stood and they applauded the decision that had just been made. Think about that. We're going to give a lot more money. We're going to do a lot more for the Lord. And we're not going to get any benefit from it personally. And they were thrilled about it. You were thrilled about it. Thank you for that. What was actually being said that night was that we as a family of faith want to stay on the ancient path. We want to remain faithful to what God has called us to do. And that is to go, not to stay, to love, not to just like and tolerate others. And also to tell, not just to listen and express compassion, but to tell them that Jesus loves them and they can be redeemed to the Father. It looks, when you think about who we are, what we want to be and what God wants us to be, we can know that we are walking along the ancient path if we are going, loving, and telling others how they can be redeemed through their Heavenly Father. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is. And walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Part of God's plan of redemption, part of his plan of redemption through Jesus Christ is the rest that we experience in the life that God intends for us that began in the ancient paths that God set in place through the law and the prophets that we read about in the Old Testament. And those ancient paths culminate, they point to and they culminate in the person and the work of Jesus Christ that they point to him, the whole Old Testament pointing to the coming of the Messiah. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, he said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus came to do what only he could do, and that was to live a sinless life, 
to live according to the law, something that we could not do, something that we were powerless to do, but God did for us through him. And then to die on the cross, an atoning sacrifice for our sins, putting an end to the Old Testament sacrificial system so that we could rest in the work that Christ has done for us on the cross, in the ancient paths, pointing to Jesus. And towards the end of this verse, in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, the Lord promised that they would find, his people would find rest if they'd walk in that ancient path, if they would come back to the covenant that he established with them and walk in the ways that he set forth for them, that they would find rest. And that rest did not mean that they could cease doing all their work, that they could, that they could cease following and obeying him, but that they could stop and cease looking for other ways. Because that's the, the repetition that we see in the Old Testament, that God's people would turn from him and turn to other ways, turn to themselves and turn to false gods looking for another way. And that rest that we find in God is us ceasing to look for those ways, that we can rest in what he has done for us and stop straying from the path. From the beginning, God laid out laws and decrees and promises. And those laws and decrees and commands are, are not meant to be burdensome. They're meant to give us freedom and rest in the way that God intended for us to be in relationship with him, to walk with him and not look for other paths, but to stay on the path that he designed for us. And in this rest, in this rest, we're reminded that God is in control. And because he is in control and we are not, we can rest in his ways. We're reminded that we can trust in his plans and not in our plans, and that we can rest in the plans that he has for us. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, and you will find rest for your souls. Matthew chapter 11, verse 30, and you will find rest for your souls. This rest comes when we walk in the ancient pathway, putting our faith in Jesus Christ and helping others to put their faith in Jesus Christ and become faithful followers of him. And part of this rest is, part of this continued posture of rest is a process of discipleship, where we become more like Jesus, where we walk in his ways. We learn from his teaching. And the illustration that he gives us with when he says, take my yoke upon you, is an illustration of an older ox and a younger ox that gets in a plow, in a, in a yoke with that older ox. The yoke was meant to be a teaching tool for those ox, that they would learn from the older one. They would learn how to plow a field. They learn how to pull a wagon. They would learn how to pull that plow and do the work in the field. And that older ox would teach them as they were yoked together. And Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So we step in that yoke with Jesus, following him in a process of growing and learning to become more like him. And in that process, if you can picture two ox pulling together, there was times where that younger ox had to somehow get the attention, that older ox had to get the attention of the younger ox. And he may have to pull more harshly. Or maybe the man who was working the ox, he would have to whip that younger ox to get his attention and to send him in the way that he should go in the same way that at times God has to get our attention as he did with the people of Israel and Judah in the Old Testament, that he has to discipline us and get our attention to keep us on that pathway. 
as we follow him. But in that, Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light because he's with us every step of the way. And that is the way that God intended life for life to be in relationship with him, the creator of the universe through his son, Jesus Christ. And at Dawson, that process of discipleship, of growing and learning happens best in our life groups where we have the opportunity to open God's word on Sunday mornings and to study God's word together and learn to apply it to our life. But we also have close friends in there who not only on Sunday mornings, but throughout the week are willing to challenge us in our faith, challenge us to grow, to become more like Jesus. And those same close friends walk through the ups and downs of life with us. Tomorrow, we celebrate Labor Day. Maybe we don't celebrate it, but at least we honor Labor Day. And we, uh, many of us will take a break from our work, where we take a rest from the work that we do day in and day out. And if we can go back to the great picture of 12-year-old John Woods in his khaki Boy Scout uniform, it was just about six years ago for John. If we can go back to that picture, I can say that because he's actually younger than I am. We go back to that picture and we can imagine John with his Boy Scout troop and they're setting off on the trail and they've got their packs on, which for a 12-year-old boy, no matter what they had in that pack, it was heavy. And as they go along the path, there would be times where they would take their packs off. They'd stop and take their packs off and they'd set those packs down. They'd find a spot on the ground or a log or a rock or whatever they could find to sit on to rest. And they'd drink some water and they would eat a snack to fuel up for the rest of the journey. And there'd also be times along the trail where they would get to a beautiful view, maybe at the top of a mountain, at a mountain summit, or maybe along a beautiful river, a beautiful stream, or an overlook somewhere, and they would stop to take in the beauty of what God had created, and they would reflect on where they had been in their journey, and they would look forward to where God, or to where they were being led. And in the same way in our lives, we take the opportunities at times to rest. Sabbath was set aside for rest that we rest in what God has done for us. We rest in the ancient pathways. We stop looking for our way. But there's also times where we stop and we take in the beauty of what God has done, just as we did last Sunday, taking in the beauty of what God has done for us over the last year and giving us his favor. And then we get a sense of where he is leading us in the future. We say, God, where are you leading us? We, we will walk in that. We will follow you so that in that we have rest. And as we follow the ancient path, that path that points us to Jesus and gives us a right relationship with God through him. We can rest knowing that what Christ did on the, on the cross is the finished work of our heavenly father, giving us opportunity to rest in what he has done for us, earning our salvation through Christ. You see, church family, the chapter for Dawson, that page is going to turn next week. We have a new leader coming, and we have prayed. God, send us what we need, not what we want. And I want to be clear, that is not through an individual. When we prayed the prayer, God, send us what we needed, we wanted to be the church that God needed to impact the community that he has placed us in. Lead us through a person. But God, help us move to a place where we as a church respond to what is needed here, not what we want here. That this is not about us. That this was not about me. This was about we and about what God wanted to do. And so let's listen to the words again that the Lord shared with the people and pay close attention to their answer. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. 
Ask for the ancient past. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. These are good people. These these are people who've seen God work. None of them are bad. And they looked at the prophet and said, we will not. We will go the way we want to go. Not the way the Lord has told us to go. The days ahead may require much more faith and trust than we've utilized this past year. It may cause more stretching and growing for us spiritually than this, even this past year. And our job is to be obedient. Our job is to be faithful. If we fast forward scripture and we move all the way to Luke chapter 22, we find Jesus in a garden. We find Jesus with a path in front of him. We find Jesus with a crossroads in front of him. And what will his answer be? See, Jesus knew that paths are sometimes painful. He knew that paths are difficult. Sometimes they cause us to get outside of our comfort zone. Sometimes they're bigger than ourselves. And he wrestled with God. He prayed. this This was heavy on him. And yet his answer was different than Israel's. His answer was, not my will, but yours be done. And so church family... You and I, we stand at a path. We stand at a crossroads. And the days ahead are going to be marked by our obedience and our faithfulness of what we will say as a church. And we will, we will say one of two things. We will say, as the people of Israel, we will not. Or we will be like Jesus and we will say, not my will, but yours be done. Let's pray. Father Dawson is not a church of problems. God, it's a church of opportunity. God, you have given us and you have blessed us with so much. God, we know that the path ahead, God, is going to be wonderful, but we just don't know what that is. God, you're sending a leader. God, we want to be faithful and obedient as you move in him and lead through him. May we be a church that stands on this path. And God, we walk it. God, you give us the freedom to ask questions. You ask us to look. You give us permission. But God, you expect us to walk. And may we be a, a body that says yes. May we be a body that says not our will, but yours be done. In your name I pray. Amen.